Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. To me that, and people don't know the story of Corey Stringer, you know, a professional football player who basically died of heat stroke at practice during the summer. You know, basically... I think it was like 22 years ago last week. I mean, I can't believe it's been that long. I mean, and it turns out the Corey Stringer Institute is here at UConn, and they deal a lot with athletic safety and heat stroke and a whole bunch of other issues. And I, I mean, I honestly, like yesterday, I've had this problem myself, all this stuff in terms of like my sweating, and I don't really understand what it means. But anyway, I want to welcome in Dr. Douglas Casa, who's the uh, the CEO of the Corey Stringer Institute here I'm Brian and Company. Uh, good morning, Doctor. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I got a lot of questions. Uh, I appreciate the time. You know, I take, drop my son off at football practice, and they, you know, obviously with youth football, it's a lot different. But you know, there's we even did a story yesterday about the Washington Commanders in the NFL. The players are mad that you know the the, the offensive coach is a little tough on them. I mean, you know, since since Corey Stringer passed away, you know, 22 years ago, like. What's changed in the protocols? Have we come? Are we in a good place when it comes to how to handle this balance between pushing athletes and protecting them? That's a great question. Um, so I would say it depends on the level and it depends on where you're located. So at the NFL level, I would say massive progress in terms of prevention strategies, and then the recognition and treatment of heat stroke is you know meets best practices and meets what we're recommending for all aspects for heat stroke um, for a college. I would say most colleges have in place what we would, we would want to see, but at the state level, it's, it's a crapshoot because each state is regulated on its own. So you have to, if you're going to change health and safety policies for high school sport, you have to change all 50 states plus the district of Columbia individually. And we've, right. we've visited so far 34 of the states to help them with their policies. And, uh, and I would say like half the policy, half the states have really good policies, but there are some states in the dark ages that haven't changed policies in 20 years um, related to heat stroke. And then the Wild West is youth sports, which you just mentioned. Um, so it totally just depends on the league and the education of their coaches if they're going to have, you know, basic standards in place for safety. Well, you think about like the, the, the there's the athlete and the coach side. I mean, listen, I didn't play. I played Division three college, but like there's a point where you're you're at exhaustion or you're feeling crap and you're like, I don't want to be a wimp or a baby. And then the coaches want to create discipline and toughness. And that sort of line is hard to get rid of, but you know, you come from a training background, you know, on top of med school, I mean, how do you know, is there a way to know when either you're the athlete and you're in a dangerous spot or as a professional watching them when they might be in a dangerous spot? That's good. Yeah. So a couple of things to consider. First of all, almost all heat stroke deaths happen in the first week of activity. So we want to be more cautious in the first week of phasing an activity that's called heat acclimatization, have more rest breaks, longer rest breaks, make modifications if the environmental conditions are more extreme, having hydration always available. So that first week we want to go overboard. We don't want to do that extra pushing, the extra discipline, um, the extra like, you know, kind of proving yourself we want to have the first week really be a phase in 
for fitness and for heat acclimatization and for really smart strategies if we know they're at most risk in that first week. But I do get, obviously, we want to get to the point where we're pushing really hard and we're pushing through some discomfort because that's what's going to happen during your competition. But I would, I would tell people to be super cautious in the first week. And I always tell people if something feels off, something different from their previous other, you know, last thousand practices they had, this day feels different. Maybe they're fighting an illness. Maybe they're um, just came back from an injury and their heat acclimatization isn't the same. But if something feels weird or off, we, we got to let the kids feel comfortable coming forward and say, I, I feel like something, I, I might be in danger. This is, such, this is such a great topic, and I'm so grateful for your time, doctor. And I have a ton, I won't get all my questions. And we're talking mm-hmm. with Doug. Dr. Douglas Casa, who's the CEO of the Corey Stringer Institute, which is housed at the University of Connecticut. You know, when you read about Stringer or, or uh, these other deaths, it seems when things get bad, be- like if something's kicking in, it seems like it's a downward spiral and it's hard to reverse. Like, so if people are listening and they're, whether they're around practices or coaches or parents or even players, you know, what do you do in the moment when things, I mean, Stringer's temperature went up to 108. Like, what do you do when things start going bad? So that's a good question. So, so if heat stroke presents itself, the, the key two diagnostic criteria for heat stroke are extreme hyperthermia at the time of collapse. So like you noted, it's usually over 105 or 6. Um, but you wouldn't know that, the people who are watching, unless it's a, like an athletic trainer or a licensed medical professional. But the thing you would notice is central nervous system dysfunction. So somebody is combative or they're confused or they're very lethargic or they're just not acting normally. They even could be unconscious. But anytime a heat stroke you know, presents itself, you have to cool the person down as rapidly as possible. If you can get someone's temperature under 104 within 30 minutes of collapse from heat stroke, survivability is 100%. Hmm. So high schools across America, over 80% of high schools across America have cold water immersion tubs. All 32 NFL teams have cold water immersion tubs. Every Division One athletic, you know, uh, football athletic program in America have immersion tubs. So that you want, if a heat stroke presents itself, you got to cool people down as fast as humanly possible. You got to get that person down from 108, 109, 110, whatever their starting temp is, and under 104 within 30 minutes. And you have to have something that has a really good cooling modality. And cold water immersion has the best cooling modality, is the best cooling rates. Are, are, are fewer kids and, and people dying of this than 22 years ago? Unfortunately, no. Um, so we have better treatment right now. We're better understanding of treatment. And we have a lot of good things in place, but we, we're also going up against some challenges. And those challenges include climate change um, because it's much harder and hotter and everything's much harder to do outside. Second is at the high school level, people are pushing um, athletes much harder during conditioning sessions in July um, and early August. And we don't have proper medical supervision there. Like the high school athletic trainer often isn't working and um, there's often not a lot of regulation of these conditioning sessions. Um, and then a lot of these states, as I mentioned to you, just have not adapted, you know, best practice policies. Um, most states wait for kids to die first before changing the state policy. <laughs> wow. And Connecticut, obviously, yeah. you must have the right protocols in place. It's one of the 34 so There's a states. lot of great. Yeah. yeah. So we have a good leader, the, the head of the CIAC right now for the state of Connecticut, which is our state governing body for high school sport. Um, been very proactive with getting every high school to make sure they have immersion tubs, um, coaching education in place for heat illnesses. Um, but it's one thing having the right policy in place at the state level. we got to make sure at the local level, at the high schools, that they're actually following it. And the most important thing by far that I would tell every parent who's listening or any parent you'll talk to in the future is you ha- high school has to have an athletic trainer. That's the licensed medical professional. You don't want to coach 
you know, deciding if your kid lives or dies. Um, right. um, because when it comes to cardiac events or, or heat stroke events, it's what you do in the first 10 minutes will dictate if the athlete lives or dies. We can't wait for an ambulance or wait for what they do at the hospital. What they do at the hospital is going to be irrelevant. You have to you have to act appropriately on site. And so every most high schools in Connecticut, thankfully, have athletic trainers. But across America, like a third of the high schools don't have athletic well, trainers. And that means a, the yeah. coach is doing it. There's a staffing shortage, and I know of programs that have cut corners on that. Where you know, so yeah, I mean, and that's a shame, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, the school can have seven or eight football coaches, but yet they don't have an athletic yeah. trainer. I mean, I would tell any superintendent, hire your athletic trainer first for your athletic department, and then worry about all the rest of your staff after. Yeah, I got so many more questions, but we're flat out of time, Doc. It's it's this is really important stuff, and obviously you're passionate about it, and this is right in our backyard. So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again down the road. We appreciate it. Sounds good. Have a great day. Uh, you too. Dr. Douglas Cassa, CEO of Corey Stringer Institute at the University of Connecticut.